Thank you for joining us. Remember, you can watch our services live and view our archive at StevensCreekChurch.com, the Stevens Creek app, or on our Roku channel. And if our ministries have touched your life, we'd love to hear about it. Send us an email to mystory@stevenscreekchurch.com. We hope today's message encourages and inspires you. Enjoy the message. Well, good afternoon and welcome to Stevens Creek Church. We're so glad that you're here today. Hope you've had a great week and hope you'll have a good one going forth. I'll tell you, uh, there's some of you, you've been out looking for bread and milk and eggs because you heard a snowstorm is coming. Well, not really. It's going to hit Atlanta. It's funny how people uh, just pray for like, give us a half inch so that I can take the day off work and and shovel snow. It ain't going to happen. But um, anyway, it's fun to talk about it, right? Uh, You know, I like to, um, we're in our series called 30 Days to Live, and I like to start with something funny. Did you hear about the the middle-aged couple that they were going out to eat? and, And it was like the husband wanted to ask the question, but he was scared to ask the question. And so finally he just blurted out. He said, look, tell me that if you die before I die, do you think you'll get remarried? And the wife says, well, I'm sure I'll miss you terribly. I'm sure I'll miss you terribly. You know, but, but life goes on, and, and given the right circumstances, I probably would remarry. He said, you would. He said, but would you let him live in our house? And she said, well, you know, it's, we've been here 32 years. It's a good house, yeah. I mean, it's paid for, yeah. He would live in our house. And he said, but would you let him drive our car? She said, well, it's a good car. We don't have a lot of miles on it. Yeah, I would let him drive the car. And he's thinking, my goodness, she's going to get married. He's going to live in my house. He's going to drive my car. And then what he really wanted to know, he said, would you let him use my golf clubs? She said, oh, no, he's left-handed. Well, we're continuing our series, 30 Days to Live, and this series has been uh, really challenging us to how would we live our lives differently if we knew that we had 30 days to live? That's really a, a profound question, that we have this, um, this thought of how we can live better. You know, this uh, series has been based on two verses of Scripture from Psalm chapter 39, verses 4 and 5. It's a prayer in the Old Testament. It said, Lord, remind me uh, how brief my time on earth will be. Remind me that my days are numbered, how fleeting my life is. You have made my life no longer than the width of my hand. And my, my entire life is just a moment to you. At best, each of us is just a breath. <clears throat> we know that life is short. But this verse and and this series has just been reminding us that we need to approach life as if we only had 30 days to live. Now, it's my prayer that you live a long, long, healthy life. But I want this series to be one that really causes us to think, how can we be better at living our lives? I want you to think about the way you're living your life. And maybe it's time for you to pause and make an assessment. What can I do different? What can I do better? And here's what my point is. I want you to live the best life possible. I don't want you to waste your life. Because in life, there are really only three questions that matter most. 
Here they are. What does God want me to do? What does it take? And why should I do it? That's really what it's all about. And today's talk is going to be layered with scripture. And one of those scriptures is Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 to 17. It said, be very careful how you live. Not as unwise, but as wise. Notice these words. Making the most of every opportunity. Making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. You know, when you look at these verses, you'll notice the words careful. Be very careful how you live. Now, the opposite to the word careful is what? Careless. And what he's saying here is God doesn't want you to be careless about your life. Don't just breeze through life. Don't just drift through life. Don't waste your life. But be wise, be thoughtful, make the most of every opportunity and try to understand what the Lord's will is. You see, I believe that you were created for a purpose. I believe that God has a plan for your life. And so many times we hear God's plan or we feel God's plan and and we go after it. But there's an occasion where we veer off to the left or we veer off to the right. There's an occasion where we we lose our way. And here's what I'm saying to you. Each new day, God gives you an opportunity to start again. Don't waste it. You have this opportunity to, this is a brand new day. This is a brand new month that, that we've entered into, a brand new year. We have these opportunities. Don't waste the opportunities that God brings our way. Like I said, there are three questions we're going to talk about today. First of all is, what does God want from me? Have you ever wondered that? What does God want? I mean, that can seem somewhat mysterious. But actually, it's not mysterious at all. it's, It's spelled out in the Bible. What does God want? God wants you. It's as simple as that. God wants your undivided attention. God wants you. This is the message of Romans chapter 6 and verse 13. He said, give yourselves completely to God. That's what God wants. You want to understand what the will of God is for your life? You're trying to figure that out? It all begins here. Give yourselves completely to God. Say, God, take my life. God, I'm giving you my life. Take it. Give yourself completely to God because you were dead, for you were dead, but now you have what? You have new life. This is talking about you have come from death unto life. We see this in the act of baptism, that we go into the water and we are symbolizing Jesus going into the tomb. But then after three days, Jesus came out of the tomb. He came to new life. So... You have been, uh, you are dead in your sins, but now you have new life in Christ. So use your whole body as an instrument to do what is right for the glory of God. But you notice that it says, give yourselves completely to God. And so many times we, we see that and we think, okay, maybe I'll give 10% of our lives to God. Isn't that like a tithe? I'll tithe my life. But God doesn't want 10% of your life. God doesn't want 50% of your life. God doesn't even want 90% of your life. God wants your whole life. He wants all of your life. 
But so many times we compartmentalize our lives. We look at our life and, and say, this is my life. And so we have uh, sections here. This is my career. And this is my social life. And this is my married life. And this is my sex life. And this is my retirement life. And this is my spiritual life. And we carve out little niches for those uh, various parts of our lives. But there's a problem here. And here's the problem. We carve out time for God. In other words, we said, God, Sunday, this is your day. I'm here to worship and magnify you today. And then we move into Monday and that uh, overflow of Sunday just carries us into Monday. And we start off strong and then Tuesday. And, but then by Wednesday or Thursday, if we're not careful, God becomes just a section of our life. We've already moved on. And God says, I don't want to just be a part of your life. I want to be involved in all of your life. I don't want to be just a section, but I want to be involved in your career. And I want to be involved in your social life. I want to be involved in your married life. I want to be involved in all of it. And that's what he expects. God is very clear about what he expects. In fact, he says that in the Bible... In the Ten Commandments, in Exodus chapter 20, and verse 3, he says, You shall have no other gods before me. He said, if we're not careful, our retirement can become a god before him. That we are so focused on building the retirement that we edge God out of our lives. Or maybe our recreational lives, that becomes the focus. Or maybe our career, but it becomes the focus. And those become other gods that we worship Jesus said it like this in Matthew chapter 6. He said, no one can serve two masters. He will either hate the one and love the other, or he'll be devoted to one and despise the other. He said, you just can't serve God and money. Now, this verse is really about priorities. Jesus is saying that you cannot have two number one priorities in your life. You just can't do it. You can't have two number one priorities and, and God wants to be number one in your life. You've got to put God first. God wants you to prioritize your life around him. Around him. Now this sounds really good on Sunday. But how does it sound by the time you hit Wednesday or Thursday? There's a temptation that we all have to move on through the week. The further we get away from Sunday, the more we have a tendency to push God out. We push God out of our lives. And sometimes it could be various, sometimes it could be good things. Maybe uh, at work, that we have a tendency to allow work to push God out of our lives. Or maybe there's a relationship that we're involved in. And this relationship has that tendency to help push God out of our lives. Or maybe it's something like uh, some sort of sports. And uh, that sports push push God out of our lives. Or maybe it's television or something like that. Anytime something besides God becomes number one in our lives, that becomes an idol. Now, we look at all those things. Nothing's wrong with them. Nothing's wrong with recreation. Nothing's wrong with your career or anything like that. But when those become the focus, 
and we start pushing God out, that's where the problem starts to grow. God just wants to be number one. In Luke chapter uh, 9, Jesus was having this conversation with a guy, and he was saying, "Come, hey, I want you to come follow me. And the man said, yeah, okay, I'm, gonna, I'm all in, except let me first go bury, uh, return home and go bury my father. Now, that sounds like a very legitimate request. But if you look deeper into that, his father had not passed away. And so what he was saying is, yeah, you know, I'm going to go back for a season and I'm going to be with my dad. And then when maybe when that season passes, I will follow you. And Jesus, you know, when you look at this and you hear the words, let me first go. That should be a trigger word for you. Because all of us wrestle with this me first. All the time. Lord, I'll live for you, but let me first finish school. Or God, I'm ready to do what you want me to do, but, but first let me get married. Or, or God, I really want to be involved in the church. I want to be involved in ministry, but, but let me first get my kids raised. And God, let me first achieve some financial independence. And God, let me first uh, uh, work on my uh, nest egg. And God, let me first build my career. And, and let me first do this. When you hear those words, me first, then it clearly tells you and tells me that God is not number one in your life. Jesus taught us the importance of putting God first. He says that specifically in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33. It's one of those verses that a lot of people memorize. Now let's look at it once again. He said, seek First, his kingdom and his righteousness. Go after God. Seek first his kingdom. The kingdom of God means his rulership and his reign. You go after him. God let you rule. I want you to be Lord of my life. Be number one. He said if you'll seek his kingdom and you seek his righteousness, treating people right, what does he say? He said all these other things that you want, I'll give them to you. And I'll give you that and even more. You want that great career. You want that great nest egg. I believe if you'll put God first, all these other things will fall into place. Here's the point. When you put God first in your life, he will take care of everything else. When you put God first in your life, he will take care of everything else. Listen to the words of Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 6. He said, in everything you do, put God first. And he will direct you and he will crown your efforts with success. I think most of us in this room, we want to be successful in life. Do you know what? Do you know how do you get success in life? The secret of success is to put God first in your life. You want success in your marriage? Put God first in your marriage. Do you want success in your finances? Put God first in your finances. Do you want success in your career? Put God first in your career. When you put God first, he blesses you. 
You see, God does not bless what he is not number one in, but God blesses in amazing ways those things and those areas where you put him first. And so we're talking about how would we live our lives differently if we had only 30 days to live? We say, well, we'd put God first. Well, I want you to think like that, even though you may live a long, long, long life. And so the question is, God, what do you want from me? What do you want from me? He wants you. He loves you. He wants you. He wants a relationship with you. He wants you to give yourself completely to him. Here's the second question. God, what do you want from me? Secondly, well, well, what does it take? What do I need to do to to redirect my life? or, Or how can I refocus If you want to get on the road that leads to a new life and a better life, it's going to require discipline. And I know you hear that word and you say, whoa, now, I don't know if I like that word discipline. Let's be real practical here. Jesus calls us to to be a disciple. Do you know disciple, discipline comes from the same word, the same root word? And I believe that discipline is the very key to sustained life change in in you. Listen to Proverbs chapter 10 and verse 17. It says, people who accept discipline, people who accept discipline are on the pathway to life. But those who ignore uh, correction will go astray. Typically, there are two things that will keep you from living your best life. There are two things that will keep you from really being the person that God has called you and God has created you to be. Two things. First of all, sin. And secondly, weights. Now, where does this come from? Well, let's look at Hebrews chapter 12. In verse 1, he said, let us strip off every weight that slows us down and especially the sin that so easily trips us up and let us run with endurance or patience the race that God has set before us. And so these two things, sin and weights, have a way of slowing us down and getting off track and causing us not to really live our best life. So let's look at them. Now, most of us, when we see the word sin, we, we get that, don't we? We know what a sin is. Sin is when we violate God's standard, when we miss the mark. Yeah, we, we know that. Okay, well, what are weights then? Now, weights can be good things, but they attach themselves to you and they just slow you down. They hold you back from living your best life. Now, weight could be a relationship. Now, it's a good relationship, but this relationship is holding you back from living the life you're created to be. Now, weight could be a job. Now, it's a good job, but is it this job that's holding you back from being that person that you were created to be? A weight. What is a weight? It could be an activity or it could be an expectation. It could be a fear. It could be a memory or whatever. Weights are those things in your life that are holding you back. Now, you've got to understand these things are not necessarily bad. 
They're not necessarily, I mean, excuse me, not necessarily wrong. They're just not necessary. Here's the point. If you're going to grow spiritually, then you have to learn to say no to some good things in order to say yes to some God things. If you're going to grow spiritually, you've got to learn how to say no. Last week, I challenged you to cut some things out of your life. I challenge you to eliminate some things from your schedule. In fact, I said it. What are you going to stop doing? That's a real question. That's a question that is so important that it begs me to come and ask it again this week. What are you going to stop doing? Why is this important today? Because some of those things that you're doing are like weights. And those things are holding you back and keeping you from becoming the person you need to be. Today, small group Sunday. And I really feel like small groups are important. Small groups are um, a way in which you can get connected in community. And I believe that life change happens best in the context of community. And so when you go out into the atrium today, you're going to see a lot of different opportunities There will be connection points for you. And just maybe you can make some new friends and and get closer to the Lord altogether. Now, small groups here at Stevens Creek are are vastly different. We have some groups that are Bible study groups. And you're going to study uh, this book of the Bible. And every week you're going to uh, dive in uh, to the text. You have other groups that may be activity groups. Maybe it's going to be like our kayaking group. Or maybe it's like our hiking group. Or maybe it's an activity like there's a group of folks that knit. And you know what they do? They make um, little knit hats for babies in the NICU at the children's hospital to keep those little babies warm. And so they use this activity as a way to connect with each other. But it could be uh, other groups. And I just encourage you to get connected. But here's what we know. If you are going to add something to your life, you need, probably need to take something away. Because let's be honest, you only have so many hours in the day. And you have, only have so many days in the week. And for you to add something in your life means that you've got to take something away from your life. You've got to cut something out. And maybe you need to cut back on something. How about this? Let's just be real practical. How about if you say, I'm going to cut back some type of, maybe it's watching television. Here's here's the question. Do you want to stay home and watch reruns of, of Friends? Or do you want to join a small group and possibly make friends? And here, here's the truth of the matter is, you've watched Friends so many times that you can finish their sentences. You know uh, this one's about... And you can tell the whole story. And so don't use that as an excuse. Get a DVR. I mean, just be real practical here. Do you want to go home and watch another rerun of Friends? Or do you want to come to a small group and possibly make a friend? Here's the point. If you want a better life, then you've got to create space for God to move in your life. 
You've got to create space. And that may mean that you cut out some things. And those things may be some good things, but they're like weights that are holding you back. I want you to have the best life. I want you to have the God kind of life, a God-blessed life. You've got to cut out some things. And some of you are looking at your, I'm looking at your to-do list if it's like mine. Everything on that to-do list is not that important. Let's just be honest. And you've got this list of things you want to do. And, and maybe down the, uh, that list is, is join a small group. Maybe you need to move it up because all those things on that list are not that important. But your spiritual life is important. And what we're doing here is we're approaching our lives as if we had 30 days to live. And I'll tell you, if you had that diagnosis that you have 30 days to live, you will become crystal clear on what is priority and what is not priority. And I will say to you, growing closer to Christ and understanding your purpose is, is priority. You know, so many things that I do and so many things that you do, it's just not going to matter in a year. It's not going to matter in five years. My goodness, it's not going to matter in 10 years. But your spiritual life will matter. I want you to put God first in your calendar. So what does God want? God wants you. What is it going to take? It's going to take discipline. It's going to take discipline for you to cut out some things so that you can incorporate uh, some spiritual disciplines in your life. And you say, well, why should I do that? Why should I put forth the effort? Oh, there's many benefits. And we could spend a lot of time on that. But here's why you should give your life to Christ. The cross. That's why. Jesus gave his life completely to you on the cross. And he wants you to give your life to him. John 3, 16, many of you memorized that scripture many years ago. For God so loved the world that he gave. God so loved you. God loves you. And I don't know if you've heard that or not, but hear me say that. God loves you. I believe that God loves you. I believe that God has a plan for your life. And here, here's the fact. God loves you and he simply wants you to love him back. That's the, that's the gospel. That's the good news. God loves you and he wants you to love him back. God loves you so much that he sent his one and only son to die on the cross. You say, well, I don't get that and I don't understand that. Here's what the, the message means. The message means that all of us have sinned. All of us have made mistakes and our sins are stacking up and somebody has to pay for those mistakes. Somebody has to pay for those sins. So God's son took off his robes of judging and he came and became flesh and he dwelt among us. That's the story of Christmas. He lived a perfect life and then he sacrificed his life on the cross to pay for my mistakes, to pay for my sins, to pay for your sins. So he died on the cross. That's the message. He paid for our mistakes. And he says. I have. A gift of the forgiveness of sins. And I have a gift for you. Will you take it? And so that's the message. That's why should I do it? Because 
Jesus died on the cross. You said, and some of you get that because you get it because it's a historical event. But I want you to understand it's more than a historical event. It is a very personal event. event. Jesus died for you. Jesus loves you and he died for you. And I'm asking you to consider inviting him to be the leader and the Lord of your life. And if you'll do this, three things will take place. First of all, he will forgive you of all of your sins. All of your sins, all of your mistakes, Jesus will come and wipe your slate clean. That's the message of new life. That's the message of the gospel. All the old stuff is going to be washed away. All the old mistakes, all the sins. Here's the second thing. He'll give you strength to manage your problems. He'll do three things. First of all, he'll forgive you of your sins. Secondly, he'll give you strength to manage your problems. I want you to hear that, to manage your problems. And I want you to understand this, that in this world, you're going to have problems. And if you give your life to Jesus today, it does not mean that tomorrow that you will not wake up with a problem that you have to deal with. This world here is not heaven. This is not a perfect place. We live in a sin-cursed world. We live in a broken world. A broken world that brings sickness and disease and problems. And what he is saying is that yes, in this world we'll have problems. When you have Christ living in your life, you're not going to go through those problems and those difficulties alone. But Jesus will be with you. And he is here to give you strength. To get through what you're going through. If you invite Jesus Christ into your life, he'll do three things. Here's the third one. I believe that he'll secure the best possible future for you. Jesus told his disciples. In my father's house, there are many rooms and I'm going to prepare a place for you. Jesus has a place in heaven for people who are a part of his family. And one day, he's going to open his book. The Bible says that there's a book in heaven. We call it the Lamb's Book of Life. And one day, he's going to open the book and he's going to read the names in the book. And those names in the book, he will say to those individuals, come, welcome in Uh, To the joys of the Lord. But to those people. Whose name is not written in the book. He's going to say to them. Based on your decision to live apart from me. All of your life. I am going to now grant you your request forever. You say, Marty, what are you saying? Here's what I'm saying. Is God never sends anybody to hell. Hear that. God is not going to send anybody to hell. But hear this. I believe that people who go to hell will go by their own choice. And God will say, based on your choice, you get to decide. It's up to you. Based on your choice to live apart from Jesus all of your life, I am going to now grant you your request. It's up to you, your request for eternity. That's how I see it. 
And that's why every week I passionately get up here and I, I plead with you and I beg with you to come to Jesus so that you will not have to go into eternity alone. And that's why for 31 years, week after week, I've begged you to come to the Lord. That there's a place at His table for you. That there's an invitation that says, Come, come you who are weary and and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Come you who have uh, been in rebellion and you've pushed Him away. Come today. Come you who are, are like prodigal sons or prodigal daughters. The Heavenly Father is saying to you, Come home. That's the message of the gospel. And that's what Jesus will do when you make him the leader and the Lord of your life. He'll forgive you of all of your sins. He'll give you strength to manage and to handle the problems that come your way. And he'll secure the best future possible for you. But the question is this. Is your name in the book? Is your name in the book? Of all the people that could have been here today, you're here at Stevens Creek Church. And I believe you're here today to hear of an opportunity of a lifetime. And God wants you to take a step towards Him. And for some of you, that is making Jesus Christ the Lord of your life today. For the others of you, this is just like overwhelming. You say, whoa, now this is way too much. Here's what I say to you. Just come back next week. Just come back next week. But I want to speak to those that God is prompting you right now. And God has been ordering your footsteps for you to be here at this particular time. And when I said those words, is your name in the book that resonated with you? Because honestly, you don't know. There's this big question mark that comes. I don't know if if I were to die tonight, if I would go to heaven or not. I would say you can know. It's not rocket science. It's have you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? That's all. Have you accepted his invitation to be a part of his family? And if you haven't done that, in a few minutes, I want to pray. And I'm going to pray like I've prayed uh, this week in how uh, scores of people have prayed this week for this very moment for, for you to come to Jesus and say, Jesus, help me. That you'd just cry out and say, Jesus, forgive me. That you'd cry out and say, Jesus, save me. That people this week have been standing in the gap for you and saying, let this be a moment where, where you come to the place where you give yourself completely to God. Not half-heartedly, not just to be a member of the church, but you say, God, take my life. Take my life. All my goof-ups and sins and all that stuff I did in high school. And Lord, I'm even embarrassed about the stuff that happened in college and the stuff that happened last week. Come, come, come.
overcome with all your foul-ups and with all your sins and all your mistakes. Because let me say this, that the ground is level at the foot of the cross. And many of us have walked that path because we too have been sinful. We have made more mistakes and we want uh, to talk about today. But Jesus says, bring all your sins and your mistakes. And though your sins um, may be like scarlet, I will make you white as snow. I will wash all of that garbage away. And you can be made new. Today's your day. Don't waste this opportunity. But make Jesus the Lord of your life. Those who, of you that are watching online right now, I want to speak as clearly as I can. There's a reason that you opened up that app. There's a reason that you opened up your laptop. There's a reason you're sitting in your living room right now. And that is that Jesus is speaking and prompting you to pray this prayer. Because he wants you to be a part of his family. Now let me say this one more thing. God's not mad at you. God loves you. And I know I've been passionate. And sometimes my passion kind of come across as being angry. I'm not mad at you. I'm just so passionate because I want the best for you. So are you ready to pray? Today is your day. I want to pray for you. And then I'm going to lead you in this prayer. And I'm going to believe that God's going to change your life. Let's pray together. Bow our heads. Father, I just thank you this day for this holy moment in this room. And God, as people are contemplating their decision, as they're looking at their lives, I pray, God, that you'd give them the strength and the energy to take that step and to pray this prayer. So if you'd like to be saved today, I want you to pray this prayer. Say, Jesus, save me. Say that. Just say, Jesus, save me. Say this, say, help me. Pray this, say, Jesus, make me into the kind of person that you would have me to be. I give my life to you. I give my past, my present situation, and I trust my future to you. Fill me with your presence. I receive this gift in Jesus' name. And fathers, they pray that prayer. I ask that you do as only you can do. And God, let their lives be changed today. And we pray this in the strong name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer, I want to say welcome to the family of God. Amen. Welcome. And I want you to do one more thing. I want you to take that connect card that you received. And I want you to fill it out and just do, the, do this for me. Just put a cross on it. Just put a cross. And that will let me know that you prayed that prayer. So just put a cross. And let's, we want to help you take your next step. And even maybe a small group, a foundations group will help you understand what it means. But thanks so much for being courageous. And thanks so much for being bold. And thanks so much for your faith. God bless you. And Sarah's coming around. To, Um, receive the offering. Todd's going to sing one more song and then we'll be gone. Thanks for listening. If you would like to help support the ministries of Stevens Creek Church, please go to stevenscreekchurch.com and click the Give button. See you next time.